so too is Gonzalo Higuain's illustrious, decorated, accomplished career. Hello everybody, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to inter-Miami podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. We are here coming to you the day after Inter-Miami suffered its first round postseason defeat to New York City FC. So we will be diving into that in great detail as well as start touching on what the offseason could look like for the South Florida side. If you're new here, my name is Franco Panizo. I'm one of your usual co-hosts. We will have two of the other three co-hosts on this week's show. But we're doing it a little bit differently because instead of having us all on together at the same time, we're going to split up the appearances. And that's only because, well, the schedules are a bit off the mark. They're not matching up this week. So up first is the unmatched and inimitable Steve El Primo Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? And... Yeah, what do you think? What do you think in 24 hours later? Yeah, I'm certainly feel a bit better than into Miami feel right now. I think. Uh, yeah, just uh, dis- disappointing, wasn't it? I think they started pretty well and looked looked quite lively. Had the goal disallowed, but just defensively, unfortunately, Damian Lowe was was all over the place, and that that wasn't helping out Mabika. And um, in the end, you know, I think New York City were were good value. They scored some good goals. They couldn't really deal with with Maxi Morales, could they? He was sort of pulling the strings and, um, you know, dominating the game. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, sh- a shame, sad way for it to end. We kind of, you know, the build, you could feel like the build up to the playoffs and, you know, there was definite excitement. Even after that Montreal game, you're still sort of, we had a week of sort of building it up and I was a bit busier than normal. And, you know, we were filing more stories and doing whatever, but, um, and then it all just comes crushing down and just one, one game. But, that's it. I think, you know, that's probably where they're at right now. Sixth place and then going out in the first round of the playoffs is not not great to a, to a decent team. Not not well not well beaters, are they? But, you know, Inter Miami are far from well beaters as well, unfortunately. They're the reigning MLS Cup champions. Yeah, exactly. Primo. So, they, yeah. you know, while they're not world beaters, I don't know if, you know... I mean, I guess an argument could be made for I mean, one or two not teams amazing in MLS. Team, are they? They're not. They're, you know, they're I thought not, they looked pretty good. amazing yesterday, man. They look. They look good, but they obviously lost Tati Castellanos from last year. And they still uh, look. And they still look very, very good. Still good. Still look good. Yeah. No. No. Fair play. Not lost the manager as well. Lost the manager exactly, and they still look pretty good. So I mean, listen. There's no. They look more dangerous, no, like, didn't they? And I guess Morales had a good night. Pozuelo didn't didn't have a very good night, did he? You know. So and no no Campagna as well, which was another problem. Um, so it's just yeah. Threadbare, they're missing players, and players are out of form have been injured, and uh, they can't couldn't deal with it. But defensively, definitely just not not up to scratch at all, especially not in a game like that. And it's nothing to do with the pitch or the stadium, even though it did look rubbish on TV. It looked rubbish. <laughs> you could see, you could see the stands. It's really. So speaking to someone else today, they should definitely look look at that moving forward. Is they should always have those sort of games, especially when they're transmitted. You know, in a worldwide audience you've got to have it at a proper stadium not, here not we like go that. again we already had this discussion last week no, 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 no excuses i know nothing i'm just no, saying no, no, just... but we already had this discussion last week i'm not having I know this we had discussion, discussion with you we still stands. No. 
No, it does not stand. I still disagree with you wholeheartedly, and we've already talked about why, but I'm not going to dive into that in great detail here because we have a lot to talk about with regards to Inter-Miami. We're going to analyze this game. Andrea Yanis, one of the other co-hosts, will also join us or join me a little bit later on to talk about the offseason, Phil Neville's remarks about what some of the plans might be in terms of how to make this roster better, how to make this team better. We will also start to dive into just our overall assessment and analysis of the season. Yes, it was a success because a team that few people expected much of made the playoffs, and that is a success. But how does this team take that next step, and what do they have to address and correct? Because again, this year was a success, but it had plenty of lows that that accompanied the highs. So, Primo, are you ready? Let's do it. This is Miami Total Football Radio. Let's get to it. All right, Primo. All right, listeners. So, Inter-Miami went to City Field in Queens, New York, home of the New York Mets, on a rainy Monday night, and the team suffered a 3-0 loss to reigning MLS Cup champions, New York City FC. Gabriel Pereira scored the first goal in the 63rd minute, which proved to be the winner. Maximiliano Morales scored six minutes later. And then Brazilian striker Eber scored two minutes into second half stoppage time. That was all she wrote for this one. That was all she wrote for Inter-Miami's playoff run, which was short-lived. And that's all she wrote for Gonzalo Higuain's career. This was the starting lineup for Inter-Miami. Drake Callender in goal. DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Amey Mabika, and Christopher McVeigh at the back. The midfield was in a in a three-man midfield to start. Gene Mota as the six. Gregory and Alejandro Pozuelo a little bit more advanced than Mota. And then up top from right to left, Robert Taylor, Gonzalo Higuain, and Ariel Lasseter. So they moved away from the diamond formation, moved to a 4-3-3. We'll dive into the tactics. We'll dive into the overall look. But Primo, I know we scratched the surface a little bit there. I'll ask you for a little bit more detail now. Your thoughts on this game as a whole from an Inter-Miami perspective. We'll get to Gonzalo Higuain in just a bit. Yeah, I mean, they just didn't... Higuain had a bit of a quiet night, didn't he? He was so unlucky with that offside. It was super tight. It was offside, but they just needed one of those to sort of go in and then Pozuelo to be on the ball a bit more. He didn't really do a you know hell of a, a lot. Nice ball, actually, for that for that goal, which Higuain had, had ruled out. I think it was Pozuelo. Uh, but he didn't really... You know, dominate the game like Morales did for them. Um, yeah, Gregorio's a bit off it, and just defensively at the back, they just looked chaotic. I mean, everyone was laughing at that double crossbar or double when they hit the hit the cross, big hit the crossbar, then McVeigh hit the post in the uh, in the same play, um, which just sort of summed up their sort of haphazard sort of defending. Really, they were a bit all over the place. Once the ball started going over the top, they just uh, yeah. Didn't, didn't look good. Yedlin was a little bit off it as well, though he, he was probably the best out of the back form. McVeigh was all over the place. Um, yeah, and it just, yeah, it just wasn't, they just never really got going, did they? So, there's a lot that you said in there to unpack, and there's a lot that I disagree with, actually, because mm. I thought Gonzalo was probably Inter Miami's best player on the day. 
I thought, yeah, but that says everything, doesn't it? Because he didn't, he didn't, build and he didn't have a spectacular either. game, but he was no. the only one that I saw in a playoff game try to. I don't want to say esconderse because I mean, that, I mean, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to say here. It, it, uh, the only one que se mostró, the only one that looked to get on the ball and make things happen, that was actively trying to to push this team and try to get this team going. Like, I mean, there was effort there. I'm not going to say that the other guys didn't have effort, oh, but you Taylor but was pretty good early on. But you didn't. But you didn't likely. see. You didn't see a personality. Like Iguain showed personality in trying to help this team. You know, beat NYCFC. Whereas a lot of the other players, yeah, the effort was there, but you didn't see a whole lot of like, all right, I'm gonna make my presence felt, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna like you didn't. I didn't see that whole lot of that. Not from Robert no. Taylor, not from Ariel Lasseter, not from Bosuelo, who let's you know, I you know, I agree he didn't have a great game, but he is coming off an injury, so that could have yeah. played a part in, in all of it. Gene Mota, did you really feel his presence out there on the field overall? Not really. No, Gregory, Gregory, then, who's yeah. Gregory, who's a, the team captain, had a rough game. And look, Gregory's not uh, a number eight. He's been asked to play there because of Phil Neville's tactics. Uh, but still, you know, in a playoff game, and uh, yes, this is a team that is that has young players. I won't say it's a young team because there are veteran players on this team. But for a team that has a good amount of young pieces, you need your veterans to step up and and perform or, or try to try to you know carry the team, for lack of a better phrase. And I just don't feel that there was enough of that. I think Gonzalo Higuain tried and didn't always pan out. It didn't always come off, but you saw him try to make things happen. I didn't see enough of that from the rest of the team. I just I saw uh, uh, a lot of inaccuracy. And I just didn't Passed, see. The passing was, was very bad as well. It, it was it was a bad game. It was for me. Yeah, it was a bad game. Like, like no, and, I'm not, and I'm not talking just because it was three zero. Because I thought even in the first half, Inter Miami didn't look good. And and in our WhatsApp group that we have with all four of us, you, myself, Jose Armando, and Andrea Yanis, Jose was like he was okay with the first half, and this first half ended scoreless. But I didn't like what I saw in the first half. I, I was it, it was. Concerning. They did okay. I mean, it was okay. The first. No, they, they had the they had the first five. They had the shot in the fifth minute from Robert Taylor down the right near post. Okay, it's, you know it's, it's a shot. You tested Sean Johnson. You tested the New York City FC goalkeeper. Okay, and, and away from home in the fifth minute. Okay, that's that's perfectly fine. But besides that, they didn't do much else in the first half. They didn't do much else. You could point to the goal. Uh, or the offside call that ruled out Gonzalo Higuain's goal. And that was a heck of a finish from Gonzalo Higuain on a, on a one-timed effort to the near post off of a sublime, underrated and underlooked and undervalued pass from Christopher McVeigh. Outside right foot from the left flank, and he finds Higuain in stride. Like, I haven't seen McVeigh hit a pass like that all season. And that was a heck of a pass, a heck of a through ball to play in behind there in the 23rd minute. But Higuain was just offside, it's ruled back, and so the goal doesn't count, the assist doesn't count, it's all for naught. And then, besides that, what other talking point do you have from Inter-Miami in the first half where you were like, okay, they looked dangerous, or oh, wow, they, they uh, tested Sean Johnson. Taylor had a shot, didn't he, that was tipped over? That was, I just mentioned that, I just mentioned that, that was the shot in the fifth minute. But besides yes, besides yes, that, yeah. if, if you look at NYCFC, if you look at NYCFC in that first half, there was one play where uh, Rodriguez, I think, is slipped through, in on goal. In the early going, and he's and I, I use the word slip, no pun intended. And then he slips on the wet field, and that takes him away, uh, or that costs him from getting a clear one-on-one look with Drake Calendar. 
Then there's another play where on a corner kick, New York City FC hits the, the crossbar with a header. A, a weak header, but they hit the crossbar. And then on another play, Ever takes a, a, a chip shot over Drake Callender. Amay Mabika scrambles back, clears the ball off the underside of the crossbar, and then it falls to McVeigh, who tries to clear it out of bounds, and he smashes the ball off of the right post, of Inter-Miami's right goal post. So that first half to me was just NYCFC constantly putting Inter-Miami under pressure for much of those 45 minutes, and Inter-Miami not really doing much to respond. Again, yes, Inter-Miami started okay in those first five, maybe 10 minutes, but then after that, the you know, NYCFC just took over. And you could see how many numbers they pushed forward. And like Alexander Kayens, who we did not talk about, or Collins, if you want to say uh, that pronunciation, who is the Peruvian international center back. We didn't talk about him in, in enough detail uh, last week during the preview portion of this game because I'm not saying it because he's Peruvian international. I'm saying this because he's in contention to be MLS Defender of the Year. Not only because he's been a brick wall and stout at the back for New York City FC for, you know, I forget what season this is for him in MLS, but he's been really stout for several seasons now. But he continues to make a difference by scoring goals at the other end. He scored a lot of goals this season. He was scoring decisive penalty kicks for them last year in their playoff run. And you can see not only the confidence that he plays with, but the tactics that NYCFC have when it comes to him. Because he is regularly, and I saw this in the game against Inter-Miami, regularly tasked or regularly given the freedom to push forward deep into the attack, like into the penalty area even, and on, on, on just uh, just the run of play. I'm not talking about set pieces. On the run of play, he's he, I saw him make darting runs into the box to try to get on the end of things or just try to be an extra body there because that's the type of confidence they have in him. That's the type of confidence he's playing with right now in MLS because he's, he's become a regular goal-scoring threat for them. And I thought, I thought to to that point, or just to to sum up that point or round out that thought, I thought New York New York City FC overwhelmed Inter Miami, overwhelmed Inter Miami for much of those ninety minutes, and I thought Inter Miami really never, never looked the part, never really stood a chance based on their overall performance. No, no, and they didn't. Morales was the man, wasn't he? He was pulling the strings, and they just didn't. Miami just didn't have that same guy to replicate. You know, sort of. Doing what Pozuelo they needed him to do just didn't it just didn't didn't happen. Nineteen passes, I think, wasn't it for the second goal? Um, yeah, they just in the end they just got passed off the passed off the park, but they couldn't they couldn't hold onto the ball. Uh, maybe it was the pitch. Maybe it wouldn't have happened at Red Bull Arena. I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, hold on, you because you did say something here that like I mean I think the field plays a part. It plays a small part. Yeah. It's not. It's Surface not. It's, it's not... okay, didn't it? But it's it's a bit. It looked rubbish. It did look rubbish. I'm sorry. It, it looked it looked rubbish. It's a, it's a baseball field, right? And it's 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 smaller. It's a baseball and... stadium as well. well so everything's correct. different. You know, it's sure. the eye lines. The sure. eye lines are different. It's just, sure. Yeah, it's just different. It's sure. Just... So so obviously, you know, I'm sure that played a part in the whole thing. But I don't think that's why Inter Miami couldn't connect passes. Why they couldn't keep no. possession. No. Why you know, like, yeah. that's not. They just didn't look up for it or, or just weren't ready for this type of game on the whole, on the whole. They, they were just outmatched overall. They were, they were caught pretty stretched at times and it was just a bit, a bit too disorganized overall. Just not, not, not a good performance from the overall team. Al, I want to touch on something, switch gears here before we get to Higuain on something you brought up, not only in the WhatsApp group, during the game, but afterwards and earlier today, and you've already mentioned it here on the pod, and that's that obviously the defense, when you give up three goals, 
didn't have a great game. And you pointed out one player in particular over and over again, and you've mentioned him here, Damian Lowe. What did you think overall about the defensive performance, and why were you so unhappy with Damian Lowe's overall showing? Just it, they just they needed someone in the back. You know, Mabika is a, is a young player, isn't he? Who kind of needs needs guidance. Damian Lowe's Jamaican international, supposed to be the experienced head, and he just looked all, all over the place. I mean, um, just they looked susceptible every time the ball went into the box. He just didn't instill you of any confidence whatsoever. And I think between them, they just were, um, yeah, they were pretty hapless, really. And I think it just fed into fed into NYCFC's, you know, game plan. It just um, they, they feasted upon it because they was, you know, Miami Ritz creaking at the back so, so much. Um, and it, yeah, they just couldn't couldn't get a hold of it. I agree with you that Damian Lowe did not have a great game. And again, he's another player. And you know, I obviously stuck with more of the attacking players, but he's another player that is one of the more experienced players on this team, on the starting lineup. And you would expect a player like him to, to try to help carry or at least lead the way. Lead the way. And, and just with his performance. Not just with his actions. Just I'm talking about with his performance. And I didn't see a good performance from him. That said, let's look at the first goal. Because he and Amay Mabika collide while trying to challenge for a ball. And the ball is initially played over the top. And... You know, it's just it's just a mess. It's a defensive mess. Ugly. When Phil Neville watches that tape back, he will be very, very frustrated and very, very disappointed and probably a bit angry about what he sees there because it's a it's a long ball played over the top and you have Inter Miami had players in position. Inter Miami had the numerical advantage, yet somehow, uh, somehow Rodriguez wriggle, wiggles free from Damian Lowe. And Amemabika. And on this play, on this sequence, I put more of the blame on Amemabika. Because, and listen, he's inexperienced overall. This is his second year as a pro. His first playoff game. It's, it's a higher level game. But he makes a huge mistake. He's caught in no man's land on the initial long ball played in behind. And then he kind of just trots. Trots back. And then, rather than getting into a better position... He just kind of occupies the same area as Damian Lowe, and they collide. And then that allows, with a, also a fortunate bounce for Rodriguez, for Rodriguez to get through. And then from there, he just has an easy, simple pass to the right side to Pereira. And even then, you know, Mabika, I'm not saying he's going to put out the fire, but even then he's just jogging back. Like, he didn't seem to have a whole lot of urgency. It seemed like he kind of shut off mentally a little bit. He doesn't get back. Uh, to try to help put out the fire. Not that I think he could have or would have, but at least to try to help. You just like his body language didn't read a whole, didn't read really well there on that play. Well, then for for Pereira, it's a left-footed curler that kisses the underside of the crossbar, 1-0. And from there, the challenge got much, much steeper, a lot more uphill. You mentioned it. The second goal is a 19-pass sequence, if I'm not mistaken, that yeah. finishes with uh, a nice diagonal run. A nice through ball, a back heel, and then Maximiliano Morales finishing to the to the far post with a low effort. So, again, New York City FC was, for me, clearly the better team on the balance of play for much of the 90 minutes. And they deserve to win. Inter-Miami defensively left a lot to be desired. that wasn't the first time, though, was it? Because they were, they, were, they were poor against Montreal as well, weren't they, those two? So, that's you, you beat me to the point that I wanted to make. And I think, if we're being honest with ourselves... Like, Inter-Miami in the recent stretch of games, right? Take, even before this game, 
how many games did they play well in? Right? They won. And there's nothing, and there's nothing, uh, I'm not taking anything away from them finding ways to win games, especially in a crunch situation, in a pressure pack situation to make the playoffs. I, I don't take anything away from them. I, you know, I said it then. Uh, a sign of a, of a good team, one sign, is that they can find ways to win when they don't play well. And Inter Miami made a habit of that during the stretch run towards the, towards the playoffs and booking their ticket to the playoffs. But in that stretch, what was the game that they played well in? Do you remember? I mean, not, not a barnstorming performance. Um... No, they had a barnstorming performance, and it was against Orlando City. Yeah. That was the one game where they played well from start to finish, and they deserved to be uh, not only the victors, but the lopsided victors. And they won that game 4-1. to one. And that was the best game during this recent stretch, and for me, that was the best game of their season. But besides that, aside from that, even during their five-game winning streak before they played Montreal and before they played New York City FC here at City Field, they didn't play particularly well. They struggled out of the gates in most of those games in the first halves. And then through their resilience, through their camaraderie and sheer desire and grit, they would end some talent, combined with probably with sprinkled in there with a little bit of fortune, they were able to find ways to win games late. Late, right? Like, there were a few games where Sally Guayan scored a late goal to give Inter Miami three points as opposed to one. There was the game against uh, DC. There was the game against Toronto. There was the game in Columbus. He didn't score as late there, but he did score, score late there as well. So, again, for me, Inter Miami had not been playing well, and that's why I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I didn't think that their... Their formula was going to be sustainable. And I didn't think that when they played better teams, that it was going to work out. Thankfully for Inter Miami, or for Inter Miami's sake, they delivered their best game of the year at the best time in that midweek match against Orlando City. But again, aside from that, Inter Miami was struggling and had been struggling from the run of play. The last two matches just reminded us of that. And we saw two losses in which Inter Miami was thoroughly outplayed, thoroughly outplayed. So anything... Yeah, by two teams potentially that could win it, that could win it. So that just shows you how far they've got to, they've got to come. Montreal were, were, were decent as well, well they? they needed last-minute goals against the likes of DC United and against the likes of Toronto FC, two teams that were eliminated from playoff contention, two teams that, yes, they have some star players and who I thought you know could give Inter-Miami trouble. But if they needed late goals to put those teams away, on the road, admittedly on the road, and that to me that shows that they're not that they weren't playing well even beforehand and they were squeaking by teams that were far down the table so it's not surprising to me that they lost 3 to 0 here on Monday night and that they lost you know 3 to 1 to CF Montreal in the regular season finale i think the signs were there that this team again was getting by on just desire and and hunger and Again, I, we just mentioned all the all the ingredients for the formula that led to them making the playoffs, which is a tremendous success. And nothing will take that away from Phil Neville and this team and what they did in 2022. But clearly, that they, they were they were struggling. They were struggling from the run of play, from the run of play, not from a result standpoint, but from the run of play, they had been struggling. Let's quickly touch on the attack, and then we'll switch gears to Gonzalo Higuain. What did you think of? overall performance because we've touched on Ariel Lasseter we've touched on Robert Taylor Pozuelo 
but it just it just never it never got clicking. It never really got clicking. Again, Iguain had that sh- had that pass to Taylor in the fifth minute, and then Iguain had the offside own goal that was called back. Iguain also had a shot in the second half when the game was zero zero from the left side. Again, he he takes a player on the dribble and tries to curl a shot to the far corner. Sean Johnson parries it well for out for a corner kick. But overall, the attack just wasn't there. Do you think Inter Miami... That's, that's also a massive thing. You know, he's been the talisman, the guy they've looked to to get most of the goals all season. I know Higuain has had a decent run in the last few weeks, but, you know, Campagna was the man and has been the man all season, yet, you know, to, not even on the bench. Um, he was, you know, he was watching from home. He posted on his Instagram story. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there. He, was posting, he posted on his Instagram story that he was watching from home with his uh, Inter Miami blanket on his legs. And by the way, you're wrong because... Iguain finished the year with more goals than Campana, so yeah. right, right, no, but I just meant you know in the in the, in the for, for the most for the most part of that you know the, the biggest chunk of the season, Campana was the man, wasn't he? Hey, he was for a good portion. I don't know about for yeah. you know not, like, the second half of the season was it was mostly Gonzalo Iguain, but sure. It, but you're sure not having Campana there, uh, and I th- I think that's that's what there's no there's nobody to come in to replace him, is there? If he's injured, who comes in? Right, no the, one. They lost they lost some firepower with Campana not being healthy because. Uh, Again, I didn't think the diamond formation was great, but you were getting production from Iguain and Campana in there. So you were getting goals from the two biggest goal-scoring threats on the team, which at the end of the day, that's that was a big part of what helped Inter Miami make the playoffs. So not having him really hurt the team, and you can see it because on the bench, surprisingly enough, curiously enough, Emerson Rodriguez, who I know is not an out-and-out striker, but he's essentially one of the only options that could play there in a pinch, he didn't dress. He didn't dress. I don't know if it's because of an injury or there was something else or, you know, Phil was just not, wasn't, you know, didn't consider him for this game or, I mean, obviously considered him but didn't didn't put him into the travel day roster because he thought, you know, there were other players that needed to be on there. I mean, the, that I thought that was a little bit eyebrow-raising that Emerson Rodriguez wasn't, wasn't on the squad for this game because, again, if you need attacking options off the bench... You don't have a whole bunch of them like like you just alluded to, so why not have him there as a as a possibility? Why not? Um, but anyway, I don't again. I don't think Emerson Rodriguez was changing this game or saving this game for Inter Miami. Uh, but speaking of the substitutes, I do want to say I thought the substitutes were from Phil Neville were poor here, and I know you'll probably disagree and tell me that no, then this and that. But you know, I, switching out both Damian Lowe and Amema Bika who, yes, both of them didn't look great, but to pull them both out when the game is 2-0 to zero, and to put in two other defenders in Ryan Saylor and Kieran Gibbs, I thought that was a bit odd and I thought a bit perplexing because you have to chase the game and sure, you know, you maybe you take out one of the center backs because they're not playing well and you want to try to help shore things up defensively, but... You know, making two substitutions and both at the center back position when you need goals. I don't know. I mean, your thoughts on that, Steve? Well, like like you said, they hadn't been playing well, had they? So um, maybe Gibbs offers a little bit more sort of going, you know, going forward, and maybe Damian Lowe was just put out of his put out of his misery. So um, I think you know the game, like you said, the game was pretty much gone then anyway, wasn't it? Really, they weren't creating anything. But, I thought Bryce Duke should have came uh, in earlier, though. I thought Bryce Duke should have came in. Bryce Duke comes in in the 80th minute or the 81st minute, and I thought again sure. that also was curious to me. And look, it's a playoff game, so everything is magnified. Every decision is under the microscope a little bit more, and that happens with each passing round because the games have even more importance. 
So I thought the decision to bring in Bryce Duke so late on, as opposed to maybe earlier, when clearly from the run of play it wasn't it wasn't working, I thought that was also interesting. And I thought that maybe that speaks to what how Phil was managing the game. Was he managing it for more of a defensive uh, approach? Was he managing it from maybe he doesn't necessarily have that much confidence or as much confidence as some of us might think in, in Bryce Duke, given that he's still young in a playoff game? Um, maybe, maybe, because if when it's not clicking from the run of play and Bryce Duke's one of your only attacking options on the bench, why not bring him in? And yes, you would have to you know figure out who you take off. You know, maybe Robert Taylor. I mean, I think you, you had to... like He could have tried to better address... Phil Neville could have tried to better address the issues on the field in that second half. Now, again, I don't think it saves Inter-Miami. I don't think that they they all of a sudden discover this magical flow that gets them back into the game. But I think that they could have improved as opposed to looking as poor as they did. I don't think the substitutions helped, if that's the, the simplest way to put it. I mean, Indiana Vasilev was the first substitute Phil Neville turned to. I've already been critical of Indiana Vasilev plenty. Yes, he gives you a lot of industry, a lot of running, a lot of effort, a lot of you know energy, but not a whole lot in the in the final third. And El Jose agreed with me because he said it in the WhatsApp group, you know, that that was a poor substitution and that it proved very ineffective. So uh, the substitutions, like a lot of Inter Miami on this one, left a lot to be desired. I, I also have to say, listen, because you know we've, we've talked about Damian Lowe, we've talked about Gregory, Gene Mota, who we haven't even mentioned, had a very very poor poor back pass. To that leads to the third goal because he essentially passes it back to nobody and Heber just races onto it, shoots it at Drake Callender, it's saved, and then Heber on his own rebound finishes with ease. So Gene Mota with a horrific, horrific error there. Obviously, it doesn't matter because the game was 2 0 in stoppage time, but still, just that's what I'm saying. Like a, a lot of the veteran players, instead of lifting this team, just kind of went down with this team. They, they didn't have good enough performances. DeAndre Edlin's another player one of the more experienced players on this team, and I thought he had a pretty poor game. I know you gave him, you know, you thought he was the best of the four at the back, but I don't I don't yeah, think he so. Yeah, he didn't play well against... There was, there, was that, there was that one switch in the 82nd, 83rd minute, and Steve, I'll let you, sorry, close out that thought, but there was there was a one switch in the 82nd or 83rd minute, and it ends up leading to a shot that Drake Callender has to save, where they switch it to, Drake, uh, to DeAndre Yedlin's flank, and DeAndre Yedlin looks so lost, man. Instead of tracking it, like, while looking at it, while looking at the ball, he like faces his his mark, but has his back completely turned to the to the ball, like not even aware of where the ball is going to fall or where it's going to land. Like I guess there was just so much space that he had left positionally between himself and I can't remember who it was out there on the flank, but he you know he just like darted forward like if he was running track, completely almost unaware that where the ball was, and obviously. Uh, the New York City FC player brings the ball down and has a good step or two ahead of Yedlin, you know, who Yedlin's pretty fast. So that just goes to show you, um, you know, how, how poor Yedlin read that play. So overall, again, not enough from the veterans in this one, aside from Gonzalo Wayne. Uh, go ahead, Steve. I didn't, I didn't want no, to... Just that, no, Yedlin, you know, he's, he's quite dependable, isn't he? But he also had a day off against Montreal as well. He wasn't great. So, um, yeah, just, you know, falling out of four, maybe just at, at the wrong time. You're not good for his World Cup. Uh, hopes, although again, I do think he makes it onto that. I think Greg Berhalter values experience, and Yedlin's one of few players in this younger U.S. men's national team pool that that has uh, a lot of it. So I think Yedlin will be there despite his form not being 
at the very, very best. Now, let's touch on the veteran, the experienced player that, I again, I think did perform and did show face. And that's Gonzalo Higuain. Again, it's, we talked about his performance. You know, it wasn't the best. Uh, but out of what we did see, I think it was better than the rest. Uh, and obviously, it's a it's a cruel finish for him because he, he you know his career ends on a baseball field with an ugly loss in the rain in a playoff match. You know he had hoped and he had talked about wanting to try to win MLS Cup. That obviously is not the final part of it, but. After the game, after the full-time whistle blows, you know, you see he's pretty emotional on the field. He he kind of went down on his... He, he crouched down onto the onto the turf, onto the grass, I'm sorry. And, you know, he, he definitely shed some tears there. And he got red in the face. Jason Christ came over him, came over to him, as as did a few other players from Inter-Miami and New York City FC, to congratulate him on a, on a fantastic career, but to also, you know, console him because he was pretty sad and pretty devastated. The images, if you haven't seen the pictures... Or, or the videos on on Twitter from the post game, um, if you, you know you turn off the TV very quickly, you know you can see some on on my Twitter handle at Franco Panizo. You know the, the, they're pretty uh, pretty touching. They're pretty heart wrenching because you, you can see how much it means to him uh, or how much it meant to him, and that the, that it was over um, was was pretty devastating to him. They you know Phil Noel even talked about after after the game that they shared you know some tears and as a team in the locker room and then Gonzalo was pretty pretty emotional as as you would expect him to be given that a big part of his life is now over so just your thoughts on his career ending the way it did i think his last contribution or his last shot might have been that free kick that he sent into into the stands which was not pretty um, but just your thoughts on on the career ending the way it did and Gonzalo Higuain showing some emotion there yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's been an emotional sort of few weeks for him, isn't it? He broke down in, in tears at the press conference when he said when he announced he was going to retire. And um, yeah, I'm sure there's been a lot going on in his mind. He, he mentioned afterwards, which was interesting, wasn't it? That he's been thinking about becoming like a mental coach, um, you know, helping sort of players deal with the pressure and stuff like that. It's clearly something that's quite close to his heart because he was going on about the social media keyboard warriors, how, you know, they've up, upset him in the past. So yeah, it was just a a sad one. He's a he's a he's a winner, isn't he? You know, he's he's won so, so much in his career and achieved a lot. And um, yeah, he didn't want to sort of bow out at a crappy old baseball stadium after a, you know a pretty disappointing de- defeat, really. So um, yeah, it was yeah wasn't a great way to end up. But he's he's done himself proud in the last few weeks for sure. He's definitely turned him, him his his sort of into Miami career around, isn't it? From sort of falling out with Phil Neville and not being really part of it to you know getting fitter and then really becoming that talisman in the end. So, he, you know, he worked hard to turn it around. He just didn't have that fairy tale ending that we all wanted. Well, listen, there's, I don't know if everybody wanted a fairy tale finish because I know there's plenty of, of people that have chimed in on social media, be, you know, in the aftermath of, of what happened on Monday night, saying, like, all right, you know, now now Los Higuain's no, no, part, no longer part of, of soccer or football has gotten rid of him, etc. You know, there's people commenting negatively. So not everybody wanted to see Gonzalo Higuain thrive. Uh, however, however, like you said, he's had a heck of a run during this second half of the season. He's one of the biggest reasons why Inter Miami has made the playoffs or even made the playoffs. And he, he goes out on an overall high. Now, this game was a cruel finish to this recent run of form, and it was a cruel finish to his career. Because I think 
listen, regardless of what you think about his persona, his antics over his career, whether he's been too hot-headed, whether you like Gonzalo Higuain as a player or as the person that you've, you know, you've seen on the field or seen in interviews, whether you like him or not, he has accomplished so much in his career and won so much that I think, me personally, Franco Panizo, I think that he deserved a better finish. Maybe, I don't know if MLS Cup, you know, you know, obviously that would have been the fairy tale finish. Maybe with with the just the reality, the situation of Inter Miami and and what was going on, maybe that was a bit of a pipe dream. But I, you know, a three to zero defeat on, on the road on a rainy night on a baseball field, I, I think his career deserved a better finish. That's just my opinion. My opinion. But nonetheless, you know, he spoke post game, did a thirty minute interview. I imagine it's the last one he'll do this year, maybe. And, you know, he, he was very thankful to Inter-Miami. He was thankful to MLS. He even thanked media members for covering him with respect. Like you touched on, one of the revelations he made there was that if he does return to football, if he does return to soccer, he wants to do so as a mental health coach to try to help, you know, young players deal with that aspect of it. Clearly, like you said, it's something that has something that's touched him and it has impacted him and affected him over his career. So he wants to try to give back in that way and try to help. Uh, and he said he wants to do so at Inter-Miami. So maybe he's not done yet necessarily with his involvement at Inter-Miami. But for now, he said he's going to, to step away. He's going to spend time with his friends and family and start that next chapter in his life. So, you know, again, congratulations to Gonzalo Higuain on a fantastic career. Didn't finish how he or Inter-Miami fans would have wanted, but nonetheless, he goes out overall on a positive, positive note. So let's leave it there, Steve. We still have to talk about the overall analysis of the year and what the offseason might look like or what could be in store for Inter-Miami. Phil Neville shed some light into a little bit of that when I asked him a question post game. So let's take a quick break and we'll get to that after this. We just need to build on what we've we've got now and then add in the bits that are going to help us be successful and the bits that help you be successful in this league are DPs, investments in DPs, investments in goals, investments in bringing in the guys that are going to keep uh, scoring goals at the top end, which I say that's the most important thing. I think we've, 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 proven, we've proven that we can compete with anyone in this league uh, on any single day. And now it's about adding, you know, last year we added 19 players. I'd say that if we added three players of real quality, that would make us a challenger for the top four in my eyes. So so that's that's what I always think that, that when you're in the top three players, that's you're looking in a market that's very, very uh, thin. Rather than when you're looking for 19 players, you've probably got thousands of thousands of players in the world to look for. When you're looking for the top end players, you, you're talking five, six players looking at that everybody's looking at. And I feel as if that's now the 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 top end of the roster, which is the uh the quality bits. The three three players, three players of real quality, real match winners that can go into our starting eleven and really improve us. All right guys, we've talked about what happened in the past. Let's look forward to the future. Inter Miami will head into the offseason feeling Okay about itself, right? They, they had a successful season. But let's assess it overall because they lose in the first round of the playoffs 3-0 to zero, away from home. They finished the year in sixth place in the Eastern Conference, but they did so with a 500 record. So that's 14 wins, 6 draws, 14 losses. They scored 47 goals 
and gave up 56. So they had a negative nine goal differential. They got 48 points. That's the most in club short history in a single season. So there was some good, but there was also some bad and some meh overall. So Andrea Yanis has now joined us. We will start with her. Andrea, how do you assess the overall season? I think we're all in agreement that it was a success, but what needs to what did you like and what needs to improve? Well, I, the season was a success in in my eyes because they they, they made it to the playoffs when everyone had written written them off, including but, you, including um, you and me, including you and me. Yes, yes. And, and Jose. I, I didn't think. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to make it to a playoff. Listen, the way they were playing um, when the season first started was horrendous, horrible. So for me, the biggest win, the biggest success that they they had this season is uh, turning that around and uh, becoming not an excellent team, but a decent team at least that made it to the playoffs and um, that could have that stretch of games uh, where they won, where they tied, and where they, where they got results away from home in, in San Jose, in Montreal. So I think that is the best part of the season. They need to get better in um, defending, in uh, well, in every area of the game, in reality, in defending, in the midfield, in keeping the ball, in being better in transition, all of that. They have to get better. Uh, new players are going to come. Some players are going to leave. But I think overall... Um, it was a good season for them with what they had, with with everything that we've been talking about the whole year, with the money that they couldn't spend, with the DP spots that they couldn't fill. I think it was uh, overall a success, and especially the, the, the highlight for me is how, how they turned it around after the horrendous start. Now, Primo, you tend to be very positive in these moments, but... I will ask you, because we know, again, we all think here the season is a success. Let's not make any mistake about that. But what needs to get better for Inter-Miami, in your opinion? What do they need to improve on? What what would you, if you were in Inter-Miami's meetings this offseason, what would you say are the first few things that need to be addressed? Well, they need to replace Higuain. And that's that's one issue, isn't it? That's sort of there looming. You know, they've known now for a while that he's gonna he's gonna quit. But that you know, but that that would also free up a lot of money as well. So that they they can at least they can work some magic there. But I think defensively they've got to they've got to look at it and just think that in those you know those two get those like those two last games where they needed to win. Okay, the Montreal game was, you know, they didn't have to win it, but it would have you know the performance wasn't great. And then obviously last night as well. So. Definitely defensively, but you know it's going to be interesting to see what they do now with 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 Iguain. Also, what they do with with Phil Neville. He, he's really unsure what's going to happen. He doesn't know. He's worried. He wants to stay, but you know hasn't been given the the thumbs up yet. Which um, maybe they just wanted to see how it how it panned out at the end of the season or or not. But they're definitely keeping everyone on the toes. And I think you know quite unique that all the all the all these backroom staff are our contract as well. Um, so not really knowing what next season or the future holds. Is keeping people's on their on their toes, I guess. But um, um, yeah, I expect that to be sorted out. You know, in, within the next few days, certainly Phil Neville's future. Then once they sort that out, then they can they can get to work. Even Chris Henderson is out of contract, so um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that needs to be sorted out. But I think there was enough good spots and marks in the season for them to work on. It's just they're 
they're short in defense and they're short now in, in with the DP. Uh, listen, I agree with Steve because I think Phil deserves uh, an, a contract extension. I, I was um, talking when in the middle of the season, some people were asking asking the team to extend his, his contract. I, I, I thought they should wait a little, but with the circumstances and what the team uh, making the playoffs meant, I think Phil should be... Um, should sign a new contract and and he should be given a new contract also because the team cannot be changing manager every every season every two years every one year so i think for the stability of the club phil is someone that knows knows uh here knows south florida knows the team knows the owner so i think he 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 earned his 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 new contract so i did not realize that chris henderson was also out of contract i did not know that so if if Steve, that's what you're reporting. That's news. So we'll see. Maybe it won't be all of let's build on this. Maybe there's other decisions that are made. But if you're asking me what I think, I agree with you guys. I think Phil Neville will be given another deal. That's what I think. That's not inside information. It's just what I think. I think, you know, what he did with this team that, like, as he said in preseason, this was his team the team that he built, I think, you know, there's enough there for a foundation that Intermind will say, okay, let's bring him back. Let's give him another another season or two to try to build on, it's not his first season, but it's what was his first year with his group of players that he handpicked and, and, you know, a roster that he helped really build. So I think Inter-Miami, I would be surprised if Inter-Miami doesn't offer him another contract and if he's not back with the team in 2022 or excuse me 2023 and I think he would be surprised as well because judging from his post-game press conference and and you know the quote that we just played here in in the intermission between these two segments is that he wants to add the top tier talent or add top talent to this team and he thinks Doing so makes them a top four team in the Eastern Conference next season. So, you know, with the way he talked and the way, you know, he projected going forward, it sounds like he believes he'll be back, even though maybe he doesn't have a contract today, right now, or doesn't have a contract for 2023. So let's let's talk on that, because I think we're all in agreement that Phil Neville will return. Whether we agree or not, I think he'll be back. And I think we all agree that Inter-Miami will probably bring him back. But with with regards to the designated players, like Steve mentioned, Iguain is retired, so that frees up a spot. Well, that shady slash murky slash weird situation situation well situation with Matweedy with Matweedy. Uh, I we believe. Still don't know. Well, I believe that's up though. I believe his contract runs out yeah, this year, right? Up. So it's so and, and that DP spot was open. Right this year. But Matweedy, I imagine we won't be seeing much of him anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, his spot was taken by Pozuelo. Pozuelo is out of contract. So will we see him back? That's a question. And then Rodolfo Pizarro, who technically and officially still holds on to that third DP spot, even though he's not on the roster because Inter Miami couldn't sell him. They loaned him. He will technically be back on the books in January. Although, again, I imagine Inter Miami will try to work their off-season magic to make sure he stays over in Mexico. 
It doesn't have to come back to South Florida. But you would have to be unknown because no one is going to pay them. Correct. Unless they decide, they unless, him, unless right? they decide to buy him out or they rip up his contract or, or whatever. Yeah, but I think the general manager of Monterrey said, said that they didn't have the money. You know. All right, but it's public, it's public into, negotiations. Into negotiations, yeah. Right, yeah. It's, public, it's public posturing to try to get your yeah. best deal. And, yeah, right. exactly. But if Inter-Miami, they don't want to pay what Inter-Miami paid for Rodolfo Pizarro. Well, and, and I don't think anyone's going to pay. So Inter-Miami yeah. will have to take a loss probably in that regard. Unless he goes to the World Cup and scores the winning goal that me- me- takes Mexico to their fifth game. <laughs> Even then, I don't think he's getting what uh, what Inter-Miami <laughs> paid for him. So, look, at Pizarro, you know, his question, he's a question mark going into next year because technically his loan's up, so technically he'll he'll be scheduled to come back to South Florida to come back to Inter-Miami but if we're talking what we think I think Inter-Miami obviously will do whatever it can to make sure he's not holding on to a DP spot next year so I think that maybe they buy him out or maybe they try to sell him for cheap because yeah you could loan him again but if you're not getting a fee then that again that restricts you because Pizarro will once again hold uh, you will have to pay all his DP money like they're doing now. Right, but I think this will be the. I think this is the last year of his contract. Yeah, so, or 2023 year. would be the last year of his contract. I think. I think. Yeah, it is. I think. I yeah. think. I don't know if he had an option. I don't remember, but it, it officially it, it it is his last year. Right. So then, if that's if that's the case, well, then maybe you buy him out. Maybe you know you just bite the bullet, you pay him, and you open up that DP spot to help make the team more competitive next year. So. Maybe. It's something that will have to be looked at from Inter-Miami's leadership. And then obviously ownership has to give the clearance of saying, all right, well, we're either buying him out or, or whatever the decision you know that they make is. So with regards to the DP, let's say that Inter-Miami, because we don't know what happens with Pizarro. So let's say Inter-Miami has two DP spots next year. Are we all in agreement here that they go a striker and a number 10? Regardless of who it is. Andrea, yes or no? Yes. Steve, yes or no? Well, they need a defender. They need some sort of superstar defender. The formula is laid out there in MLS. It's no secret. Generally speaking, your DPs are your 10s and your 9s. Maybe a winger after that. Maybe a center midfielder. Very rarely, but okay, sometimes a center back or a goalkeeper. Again, the 10 and the 9 are crucial. Are crucial for an MLS team. So I think they go for a 10 and a 9. I don't know who that 10 and 9 will be. I don't know if Pozuelo will be back. I think if Pozuelo come back, comes back, he's not going to be a DP because he's making like $7 million, $6 million, something like that. I don't think they're going to pay him that because that was his deal with Toronto. But I think he could, could come back. And in the case that they want to keep him and bring him with a normal salary, uh, they could go for a defender as, as Steve is, is thinking. I don't. I don't see any way that Inter Miami goes for a DP. Rafa Marquez, and they they were two sort of superstar defenders, weren't they? Well, Rafa Marquez was a DP, but he played midfield, then he played center back, and even and he was a he was overall seen as a bust. Ask New York Red Bull fans what they think of Rafa Marquez, and I don't think you're going to hear very many pleasant uh, comments. Now, Chiellini is not a DP, at least not right now, yeah. not in 2022. So again, maybe he's you could... a DP quality. He's he's DP quality though, isn't he? Sure. Based on his experience and yeah, where he's played at the highest level, sure. But we're talking about Inter Miami and what. Listen, I don't disagree with you that they maybe need to upgrade that center back position if they can. Don't forget, twenty twenty three will be the second of two seasons in which Inter Miami gets 
hit with those financial sanctions from MLS for breaking roster rules in 2020. So they're still going to be limited. They're still going to be limited. So they need to maximize, and I agree with Phil Neville, they need to maximize the DPs that they can sign. It's got to be a 10. It's got to be a 9. I don't know. I'm not I'm not 100% sure if Pozuelo's coming back. I'm not convinced that it's, it's a clear-cut decision that he comes back. Because, yes, he played well and he made the team better. He's also older. So, I mean... And it, they, he could also have other teams interested in him. Exactly. So, like, you know, maybe Inter-Miami... Just use that them can as offer a... him more money than other teams, than Inter-Miami. Well, I mean, you're talking in other parts of the world, like in Spain or... No, yeah. here in MLS, because in, maybe Inter-Miami doesn't want to, to bring him as a DP. But it, that's not, it doesn't, he's not a free agent, so it doesn't, like, he's a free agent in terms of, like, he's free from his MLS contract, but he's not a free agent in MLS, which is confusing and... Yeah, they're... they would have to pay, blah, blah, blah. Exactly, blah, blah, blah. so, like, anyway, anyway. I'm not convinced he comes back. I'm not convinced that Jeremy sold on him. I think he might have been a stopgap solution for this year. Because normally, right, normally, when a DP is acquired like that midseason, even if it's via trade, like they and he's like on the verge of, of finishing his contract, maybe not normally, but it happens often that teams reach a new agreement, right? They, they come to terms on a new deal so that they don't have to worry about, oh man, will he sign with us again this offseason? The fact that Inter Miami did not sign him to a new deal once he arrived to South Florida, I thought that was telling. So I don't know if he comes back. Maybe Inter Miami wants to go younger there. Maybe they want to go for a player in South America that Chris Henderson has his eye on. You know, Chris Henderson has a very good scouting network down there. So we'll see. We'll see. I'll ask you guys this when it comes to the DPs. How important is it that it's a big name? How important is that for Inter Miami, Steve? They've got him, man. They've got him. They have to replace Iguain. He he was the. But they could sign somebody. Sorry, they could sign somebody that's not a big name, but that's young and productive. Someone of um, of of similar sort of standing in terms of quality, but they need they need a big name as well. I think you know they're going to be they're going to be without their their biggest star now. He has become the sort of talisman, isn't he? So you know, uh, Campagna. We don't know what his what his situation is either. That's another one we're not really touched on. Um, so, yeah, they need to get the big name. Messi's always been mentioned, but that, that just seems a million miles away right now, doesn't it? I think, you know, um, so, yeah. But it, 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 will free up, it will free up money for them. So they have, they will have options. And um, are, they, are, they, are they, the sanctions still will continue into next season as well, right? So, um, you know, they're still going to have, but are they, are they, are they going to be as bad as what they were the first time around? So, I mean, it's split. Evenly now, I don't know how Inter Miami has, you know, maneuvered their cap for yeah. next year or their budget for next year compared to this year. So I, I couldn't tell you that, but it, it, I mean, basically, it's it's the, the same punishment just spread across the U.S. Now I I don't know if they I don't know if they go big name. I don't know. I think, I think they ideally, need a big name. but uh, Andrea, Andrea, let's, let's think about this. Someone in the league that has a big name. But let's think of, let's think about this league. out loud. Let's think about this out loud, right? Inter Miami. We'll have this winter to make roster moves, right? To to add to this roster. This winter, European teams after the World Cup or European clubs will still be playing. They'll still be in the middle of their season. So the list of options you have available will be less because players will still be under contract, right? Players based in Europe, bigger name players, they're not free from their contract. So they don't become free agents until, if, if that's their case, until the summer. Uh, until next summer, so summer 2023. Can Inter Miami afford to spend another half season without D 
DP players or a DP striker? Can they? I mean, do you think that they would bank on on doing that? You know, maybe like, all right, well, we'll try to bring Campana, for example, back, but you know, we'll look for a DP striker in the summer. We'll just hope that Campana stays healthy for the first half of the season. Like, do you think that they take that gamble? I mean, listen, Chris Henderson's work in Seattle. I mean, they did have some big name players: Obafemi Martins, Clint Dempsey, but they also signed a guy like Raúl Ruiz who wasn't even a starter with Peru's national team, who's not the biggest name, but he was scoring goals in Mexico, and then he came to MLS, and that translated, and he's become one of the best and most productive strikers in MLS right now. So I'm not convinced that they go big name. Uh, listen, that is why I was saying that they could go big name MLS style. There are a lot of players. Um, I don't want to seem biased here, but for example, Romel Kyoto is. Oh available. my! Romel Kyoto's not a big name. Like, he's not a big name. I'm in sorry. MLS, he he's is. not a big name. No, he's not. Yes, uh, and in here in South let Korea, me, let me ask Steve. A, a big name for the community here. L- let that me is type let me ask Steve. That Inter Miami need That's, a, no. a Peruvian guy, a Colombian guy, a Honduran no, guy. I'm sorry. I know. I know you like to name, name drop Romel Kyoto on this podcast. I know you like to. I, I'm like half starting to feel like you're his agent, but Steve. If, uh, I'll put it to you like this. If Steve can tell me what team Romel Kyoto plays on, I will I will confess and admit that he's a big name player. Steve, what I, team I, does Romel Kyoto play on? Don't Google right now. I'm I really don't know. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> Franco, but you're talking about Rui Diaz. Romel Kyoto has more goals than Rui Diaz. Andrea, Ru- Raul Rui Diaz has been a winner with the Seattle Sounders, a World Cup winner. I mean, a World Cup winner. Sorry, an MLS Cup winner. So I mean. Would you rather take Rui Diaz or Kyoto? And this is not about Peru versus Honduras because that's, I think that's where you're trying to head with this. Kyoto. No, no, it's no. not like that. I'm just telling you if they want to be intelligent, they could get a player like that in MLS that would bring them. All I'm saying he's not a big name. That, will bring, name. that will bring people to the stadium and all of that. So you have to be intelligent because you see the teams in Atlanta, in LA, they get players that will bring him, bring them also people to the stadium, and that is what they need. Now with Iwain gone, they have to think about that, not only about getting a big name, a superstar, which, as you said, are not available in, in January usually. for the most part. Right, usually, yes. right. So maybe they go the MLS route, but then again, then that, listen, for example, if they went after a Romel Kyoto in the winter, right, and they signed him to a DP deal... Now they've kind of handcuffed their future, at least. No, no, maybe not a DP spot. But, but that's what we're talking about. They bring them in. So, oh, so you're saying they bring them in and then add DP players later? Yeah, exactly. That is what, that is what you asked, if they could wait for uh, for, uh, but for the, a transfer you have market to remember, in June. But you have to remember that they have sanctions. So they, they it's not like they're, they're like an, another, any other MLS team that has yeah. the flexibility to be able to add TAM-level players and then DP players. Like... They're going to be limited in some in some way, shape, or form. I don't. I, I don't think they can, and I don't know if they will, and I don't think they should afford, or or try to afford themselves the luxury of waiting till the summer to sign a to sign a DP. Look, if Messi is available next summer, you can make it happen. You know, get rid of one of the three DPs you have, or one of the two DPs you have, or, or find a way to make it happen. But as of as of right now, projecting for twenty twenty three, I think this winter they need to find their ten and their nine. And going to Campana, we'll, we'll quickly touch on him because Steve did, and it's it's a good talking point. Does Leonardo Campana come back next year? Yes or no? Andrea, yes or no? I don't think so. Okay. Steve, does Campana come back so. next year? I hope so. so I think he's done enough, isn't he? I mean, um, yeah, it just depends. 
so much is up in the air with Phil Neville's contract. You know, is there going to be a new manager? We don't know right now. Um, you know, the World Cup's coming up. What's going to happen after that? I mean, everything's everything's up in the air right now. It really is. I mean, I know it's only 24 hours since they lost, but um, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. Would you so, would you bring Campana back? Yeah, I think he's done he's done well, isn't he? He's, he's, and he looks like a decent player. He's Andrea, young. would you bring him back? Yes, I would bring him back. Okay, because Inter Miami has a an option an, op- an option to buy. Here's where I don't think it's such a straightforward answer, because yes, based on his production, you would want to bring him back, but based on his injury history, in his career, and as we saw this season, where his body did not hold up over multiple parts of the year, he's an injury risk. He's a concern. I think so, and I think yes. You want that production, but can he give you that production? Can he stay on the field and stay healthy? That's a question that Inter Miami's leadership, Chris Henderson, Phil Neville, assuming they will be back, and I, again, I think that they will, will be back. That's a question that they're going to have to answer. I think they will try to bring him back. I th- they'll try to fit him if they can in that the under twenty two initiative that MLS has. I don't think they try to bring him back as a DP because he is an injury concern. And I think that that will be their negotiating chip at the table when they that talk to That is why I don't think agent. he's coming back because he's making too little money and if they don't offer him a DP spot, it doesn't make sense for him to stay here. It's, it's possible. Making what he's making. It's possible he's he doesn't come back. Making little money. It's possible he doesn't come back. It's possible. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I don't think it's a straightforward answer. Now, would I bring him back? Would I bring him back? Would I bring Campana back? Yeah, Me, definitely. personally, if I was making a decision, I would bring him back if I could get him on a non-DP deal. If he is adamant that he has to get paid DP money, then I thank him for his time and I let him walk. And that might sound blasphemous to some listeners or some Inter Miami fans or some Ecuadorians, but he's an injury concern and you have to get a DP that you can re- a DP striker that will score goals but you can re- rely on to stay healthy as well. That doesn't have uh, a proven track record of missing games due to injury. Campana, no problem with him being on the team next year. If I'm an Inter Miami uh person in, in the leadership position but I think it can't be on a DP deal. I think you need to maximize that DP deal with somebody else and have Campana there as a, as a second striker, as an option there to help to help uh, give you different looks, to help give you some freshness, etc, etc. Okay, we talked about Pozuelo but I don't know if I got an answer from you guys. Does Pozuelo come back next year, Steve? Yeah, I mean he's, he's, he's contributed well hasn't he since he's, since he's been here. He seems to have enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, no, he, he, he was a difference, wasn't he, in that sort of middle part of the season, certainly after he came in. He's definitely shown enough, don't you think? I think he's shown enough, but I think his age is is, a, is something that Inter Miami will take into account because he's 30 years old. So he's, he's 31, actually. He's 31. He's not 30. 31. Physically, he's going to start declining. I mean, if not next year, then the year after. So uh, does he agree to a one-year deal? I mean, we're obviously getting into supposition. Now he's and... too young for one year deal. Right. So, does he, would he agree to that? Mm, maybe not. So, Andrea, you sound. What do you think? Does Alejandro Pozuelo come back? I think he can come back. I think he can come back. No, not, not can he come back? Team. Does he come back? Yeah, I think he will come back. Okay, not as a DP. Not as a DP. Yeah. If Inter Miami can get Campana and Pozuelo to non-DP deals. Man, they, they have two DP Pozuelo spots they can fill anyway. possible because at least Campana has an, a contract with another team, so and he's younger. But Pozuelo, when he decides to leave and go and play in Spain, is is gonna be when he wants to retire. I don't think he wants to retire now. And what's better than living in Miami? He has said it. He he's enjoyed it. But well, 
I don't know if he he would like earning less than what he was earning. So who knows? Yeah, it's that, it's difficult because once you once you are earning that type of money, you don't want to earn that much less. And if you're not a DP, you're not going to earn not even close to what he's earning now. Right. So that those are interesting questions. I would say... I don't know. I don't think we see him back either. I don't think we see him back either. I think that they'll try to sign a different number 10 from South America. They'll, you know, again, Henderson will use his connections to try to get productive productive DPs that are a bit younger, that they can build around. Uh, again, Campana is a player you could build around, but can he stay healthy is, is the biggest question. I mean, the fact that Campana is so young and you could sell him on for a transfer later on, that's got to be appealing. But is that worth signing a DP striker for when you only have so many DP slots? I mean, don't forget, Corentin Jean, who did not feature or factor much into anything during the second half of the season, he was signed this year. They've talked about him playing potentially as a striker. So maybe he could be the backup striker for whoever the DP is if Campana does not return. Okay, uh, very quickly, very quickly, I have two more questions for you guys. Would you bring Pozuelo back? Andrea, yes or no? Yes, I will bring him back. On a DP deal, though. We're talking as a DP. Oh, on a DP. On a DP deal. No. At 31? No. Okay. Steve, would you bring Pozuelo back at 31 years old on a DP deal? I mean, <laughs> I love when Steve scoffs. Like, it's like the hardest question in the world that I've just asked him. <laughs> it just depends. I guess it depends on what else is available, I, I, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, that's that's the whole thing, isn't it, with MLS, the way that But would you to... bring him back? I've already asked you if you think he comes back. Would you bring him back at 31 years old? I think so. Look, Morales was, was last night was 30, 35 35. years old. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think his age isn't, isn't, isn't a concern for me at all. It's just who they can, they can get in to replace Higuain. That's, that's the biggest, that's the mm. biggest thing. Okay. I would say I would not bring him back. I would not bring him back as a DP. Just, that's just me. I think they can, I think they can better. And he, look, he was an MVP and he definitely made an impact this year, but I think they can better maximize the DP positions with younger players. In South America, I think that they can. Now they have to sign. They have to sign the right players. They have to, you know, make sure they hit on those marks. But the I think, thing is I think that they, they don't do have the best history with bringing players from South America. <laughs> but I, I think they could do it. I think they could do it. I think if Chris, if Chris Anderson, you know, he's got DP, like well, he got up. Lodeiro, so I maybe I trust right. him. He, he's got free. He's got free reign now to sign DPS yeah. from outside the league. I think you give him that opportunity. I think so. I don't, and I don't. I don't bring back Pozuelo Campana as DPs if if I'm into Miami. Okay, very quickly. The last question is: What other players? Name me a couple that you don't think will return, and you can't repeat. So I'll start with Steve, so you can go first. Who do you think does not come back? Give me two or three that you don't think come back next year, aside from who we just mentioned. Well, Vasilev, I think maybe one is it is it probably a risk, isn't it? I would have thought. Um... It was probably question mark over Nick Marsman. I would have thought as well, because he was pretty much axe, wasn't he, from the rest of the the squad? Um, Give me one more. Where, where is Robbie Robinson right now? He was he was around training, wasn't he? Yeah, he's still working his way back from injury, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that they would probably they would probably keep him. Kieran Gibbs. I'm not sure of his contract situation right now. Um, there's a few, isn't there? There's 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 not many that that have a. A um, present a compelling argument to definitely, definitely 100% key them. I guess Motta, maybe Gregore. Um, you keep Mabika, Damian Lowe, I don't know, Yedlin. 
Um, I don't know. They, yeah, they need to they need to have a, have a reshuffle. I think there's definitely a foundation there. And, and again, yeah, Phil Neville said sure. Phil Neville said that they that they're looking at more so for you know the top end of the roster for for replacements or for signings or reinforcements this this offseason. But I I definitely think there could be some changes as well to other parts. And and I will give you a couple of names I think could be moved. But Andrea, you first. We've heard a couple from Steve. We're actually a few from Steve. I so. was. I agree with some of uh, the, that Steve said. I would add Breck Shea. Mm-hmm. I would add Robbie Robinson. Um, I would add also um, maybe the young guys like Ascona and and Acosta. I don't think they they're gonna bring them back, and they're out of contract. I think. Um, also, maybe um, um, I like him. Victor Ulloa has. Had has responded well when when he had a chance he can play <laughs> everywhere that field puts him so it would be a shame to see him go but I think he he's also out of contract if I if I remember correctly so you have a lot of names that 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 can leave the team I think so I think you know to say a name that you guys haven't said I think Jovan Jones I think he's he's done with Inter Miami oh yeah that's just this is my my sensation I do know this is information that. that I heard last season. Uh, or this season, excuse me, you know, during the offseason and preseason, that Inter Miami wasn't that high on him, that they were looking to offload him. They were trying to find someone that would take him, uh, but they couldn't work out a deal, so he stayed on the roster. Uh, as you can see, he played very, very minimally this year, so I think Jovan Jones is definitely someone that's that's going to be on the way out. I think, like Steve said, I think Breck Shea's on the way out. Just another player that, you know, he's he's gotten older Injuries have continued to plague him, and, and he barely factored in this year as a result of that. So I think he's definitely gone. Or again, these are two more experienced players. Both play the same left-back position. You have Noah Allen. You'll have Harvey Neville, who can fit there in a pinch. I, I think those two guys, again, Breck Shea and Jovan Jones, are, are gone. I think Uyoa stays. I think Uyoa returns. I think that they value a lot oh, his his locker room presence and, and his ability to, to do a job in a pinch when necessary. Uh, Robbie Robinson, I think, stays just because, again, they're hamstrung. One player here, I'll say, that I think, and you guys haven't mentioned, that I think could be in jeopardy of not coming back. And this is, again, my sensation, not inside information, Gregory. I think Gregory might be, might have played his last game for Inter Miami. That's just my my sensation. Yes, he's the captain, and, you know, he he was really, really good in 2021. Was he really, really good in 2022? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, average, yeah. And and I know he was played out of position, not not to his strength, but maybe Phil Neville wants something else out of that position. And look, Gregory, he's Brazilian. He's a pit bull. He's a warrior. uh, A good locker room person from from everything we've gathered and everything we've heard. You can see how much joy he brings to the field, um, even you know when we're at practice or you know the few moments we have with the team behind the scenes. But on the field, technically, he's not great. He's not great. And he's limited in that way with the ball. So that limits you. That's why we've seen Gene Mota play the six this year because Phil Neville was looking for someone that could help Inter-Miami in their build-out. So I would not be surprised if Gregory is is not back with the team next year. Don't forget, Gregory has been, has been rumored to be... Uh, attracting interest from other teams in Brazil. So if, if there's a deal there to be made, I think maybe Inter Miami really, really considers it. But anyway, all right, let's leave it there for now. We'll do a deeper dive into the offseason 
uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll take another quick break. We'll come back for the Q&A session and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. Andreas, just you and I for the Q&A session because Steve is out of here. It's past his bedtime. Steve is an early sleeper uh, and an early riser. So, all right, let's quickly just do a few questions here. First one comes from Alex Diaz, something we've talked about before. He says, or asks, best guesses for DP signings in 2023. So we've touched on that. It's, you know, again, I think that they go, I'll put it to you like this. I I can't give you a name. I think they go... Not necessarily with big names. I think they might go with, you know, relatively unknown players, but that are productive and that can be with the team for a longer term and that potentially have a sell on uh, possibility in the future. Andrea. Uh, Well, we've discussed it in the show. Um, If you bring Campana as a DP, DP, well, there, there you go. You have one. If you wait until June to have other players available, I I personally would go for Falcao as a striker, uh, bring him to to Miami, offer him good money to bring him to play here, to play in this league and to play in the city. That is a player that I think would do great in this league and in in this this market. And uh, if you don't get Campana, maybe you can get someone from MLS. Franco is going to drag me because I, I, I <laughs> wanted to say Romel Kyoto, but well, Romel Kyoto, I, I guess he's the MVP in Montreal. Uh, and his goals talk uh, before. Uh, hablan por él. I don't know how to say that in <laughs> English. They speak for him. They speak for, for him. him. Yeah. So oh. I think he would be a good signing for, for the team in, in the meantime. But. Uh, if you could get Campanas, your striker, if if you could get Falcao and, and a number 10 from South America, Central America, um, you could get options. You could get good options. And I think maybe Chris Anderson, if he's going to say he knows, he knows better. He, he knows better and he knows this market and he knows he needs someone, a big name. Maybe not like with a career like Iwain, but if he could get someone from South America that, that can get people to a stadium, a Peruvian guy, a Colombian guy, that would be good for the team also. So hopefully we see that. We see we, we see some spice in, in Inter Miami next year. I, I, I think it's still an interesting point of conversation. Again, we can dive into it later on uh, this offseason is how important is a big name for Inter Miami? And I, I hopefully we get a chance to ask that question. During the yeah. availability. Listen, how important is it? Because equal, yeah. Is, so oh, I agree. Oh, I agree that the city is drawn to big names, and I agree if Inter Miami, you know, wants to think about not just on the field, but also in terms of butts in seats long term. I mean, yeah, they need they need a big name. But Luis Suarez is uh, should be available, but I guess but other they, teams are interested in but him. But do you? Because... But do you go? Do you go again? That 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 old, yeah, that old in, in football terms. Like, I don't know. Listen, with with players like uh, Suarez and Falcao, as I said, I think they they are a safe bet because no, I don't think uh, so. I don't think so. They 
they they have had injuries and all of that, but their goal scoring is is unmatched. And you could bring a young guy, you could bring Campana as a DP, but if you ask me, if I I, I think here, uh, who would be better for it, for for the city? I would say Falcao or Luis Suarez because they have a going name. off of Chris Henderson's uh, Chris Henderson's body of work. Look, I'm not saying it's impossible to sign a big DP or a big name DP. Like again, Obafemi Martins wasn't the biggest name, but a recognizable name. And he and he produced, but he wasn't that old when they signed him. Like he, he wasn't was that. Young. So yeah. I just don't see unless it's Lionel Messi or you know the likes of that, like that elite elite talent. I don't know if I see Chris Henderson going that experienced or that old for a DP player. I just I think he understands that in MLS, it's a physical league. You need players that are younger, that can run more, that can give you not only in the attack and in the final yeah, third, but also give you the, that, on the defensive side that can track, that can listen, run, that can press. Listen, with Chicharito, he's not the greatest, but you know, he's he for the market that he's in, he is what the team needs. And that is what Inter, Inter Miami need a player like that, that can bring them media, that can bring them people. I wish that they wouldn't need that, but they need that to survive and to go the long right, run. But can you get city. that in the winter? Can you get that in the winter? Are you going to find that in the winter? Listen, I was talking about Luis Suarez and Falcao. It's hard because, listen, Luis Suarez could be available. You can offer him money, but there are other teams that are willing to offer more money than Inter Miami has available. And then Falcao, he's playing at the biggest level still in, in the first division on Spain, and he's scoring goals still. He's being... He's being um, an important player for his team. So I don't know if he wants to leave that because some players don't want to leave Europe. So I don't know if he wants to leave that. Maybe Cavani could be another name. It's but hard to. He's playing in Valencia. And he just started scoring goals. So like yeah, we're, we're getting so we're getting we're getting to uh, individualizing personal like like actual players because we don't know what players are in Miami are targeting. Exactly. We don't know, like, right? Exactly. But, but it's it's just the overall. I just don't see it. I don't see them signing. Yeah. A, I don't. I don't. Striker. I don't think. That, one of those players is going to come in. I don't think Chris Henderson is going to do it, and I don't think Phil Neville would want to do that with his team. I think they want to go younger. I think they want to go... Uh, but if they go young, Franco, they... they they. I, I understand that for the future, that would be great, but I think they still need... In this city, you still need a name that is going to get people to a stadium. You need... I think you need a winner first, and then the name. I don't think you need the name, and then the winner. Right, like I think winning is more important of a priority than the big name. Like I agree, a big name's up there; it's definitely a priority. But if you can win and be competitive, then that keeps you in the conversation. If you have a big name and you're not winning, the the, the city will tune you out, and they'll they'll focus on something else. Like the Miami Heat, yeah, Jimmy Butler's a big player. Is he the biggest name? No, but they win, and people will still turn out. Because they're competitive. You could sign a big name. If you're not competitive in South Florida, I don't think people will turn out, regardless of, you know, yeah. who's there. So, yeah, that is so true. So I think I think Chris Henderson and, and Phil Neville will go into the offseason being like, all right, sure, if we could sign a big name that fits this, this, and this, let's try to get him. But I think their, their priority will be on fielding a winning team. I don't think that they'll be so focused on, like, all right, let's get a player that brings butts and seats. Unless that's Jorge Mas's directive unless he's like that's the type of player you need to bring in we'll see we'll see next question is elder bar he says 
and he has three questions. I like them all. Is Pozuelo staying for all of you? Would you let Phil continue? Who's your picks for MLS Cup champs? So we already talked about Pozuelo in the last segment, so we'll skip that. Okay, Andrea, would you let Phil continue? I think you said yes. You would let Phil continue if it was up to you. Yes, I would let Phil continue. I think he's okay. he's earned it. Okay, I think he will be back. Would I let Phil continue? Would I bring him back? And this is nothing personal with Phil Neville. I would not. I still think that although there were better signs from him as a young coach who's still learning his way this season with a team that he handpicked, I still think it was still too up and down. Too up and down. And I, I, I saw, like, again, during this recent stretch, and Andre, you weren't part of the first segment, but they made the playoffs because they were resilient and they, they bought into what Phil Neville was saying, but they didn't play or show a whole lot of great football during that run. The only game that I think that they played very well in, and they did so from start to finish, was against Orlando City. The yeah. other games, they would win them late, they would get late goals, they would they would fight and scrap and work hard. But I didn't see a whole lot of football ideas, I didn't see a whole lot of triangulation, I didn't see a whole lot of one-two passes. Like, you didn't see the tiki-taka of the two goals of New York City, New York City of City yesterday. Well, so I, no, did, I don't, I don't, didn't see that. I don't see enough there from the run of play that for me right for me my personal taste to say all right i would bring phil neville back i think for the standard of mls listen this is a league that peter vermes how many years does he have with sporting kansas city and he's finished last the last couple of years so coaches get a chance here and i think phil has peter vermes has earned his chance for for the league Peter Vermees has earned his chance in Kansas City. He's he's got longevity yeah, for a reason. He's won an MLS how, how Cup. How long ago did he win that title? How long ago? Kansas City's not Kansas that? City's not one of this, the biggest spenders. What I Andrea. mean is, what what I mean in this, in this league, people Ben Olsen was for ten years the coach of this United because he won the title twenty years ago. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. I can't let you get away with that. I can't let you get away with that because listen. Ben Olsen did not win MLS Cup as a coach. He won as a player, and yes, he there was you know a certain type of uh, uh, you know figure yeah, figurehead figurehead sure, but the fact but, that the fact that I he was at DC I'm United so say, long in this league, coaches get mm, a lot of chances, and yeah. I think Phil deserved his his chance. Hey, that's to, fine to keep his seat. That's fine if you think Phil Noble deserves his chance, and I don't like we can agree to disagree. That's fine. Like I, I mean, I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it if he gets it and i think it's remind me we'll give him another opportunity but if i were making a decision i just wouldn't bring him back that's just me though that's just me now i have to correct you on ben Olsen because listen a lot of dc united fans were very upset that he stayed as long as he did like they understood it was that... a mess Ever, and dc united and dc united mess. Have, he's no, a good coach no, he should look, look for new air no you cannot you can i can't i would not i can't put peter vermees and ben Olsen in the same like box and say like no because no Peter Vermees is way more proven as that way more success than Ben Olsen Ben Olsen should have been yes, like go that is true if DC United were had been more ambitious during these during his tenure he would have been gone a long time ago but they that just shows how little ambition they had that they just kept him despite mediocre and very poor results on a consistent basis but anyway all right the second part of Elder Bar's or the last part of Elder Bar's three-part question or three questions was Who's your picks for MLS Cup champs? I like that question. Andrea, you go first. Who give me one or two teams that you think could win MLS Cup remaining? Philadelphia or Montreal. Oh, surprised that you picked the team that that has Roman no, Kyoto. Listen, they, they for me those are the two best the best teams in the form that they play. I like their play. I like uh 
how they build something. I think both teams play really well. They build something from last year to this year. They continue. They participated in the Champions League and they were good against Mexican team, against Central American teams. I think those two teams are teams that if if they build on it, they can go and keep 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 building and go and win internationally, win in MLS. I really like I really like and I think I like them and I, I think they have two of the best coaches of the league. I also like LAFC because they are dangerous. They also have nice players. They play nice. It's interesting to see. Listen, Philadelphia, Montreal, and LAFC for me are the most interesting teams to see in this league. So I really for me, either of, of those three teams could win the title. Okay, my picks here would be either LAFC or New York City FC. I, I, those are the two teams that I think are uh, a cut above. Now, if I you want a dark horse, Austin FC. Austin FC is a dark horse. And in just their second season, they've made some noise. They've got FC Dallas next. It's a winnable game. It's at home for Austin. That gets a, if they win that they're in the Western Conference Finals, a game away from MLS Cup. So, uh, but if I if I had to pick my top two choices, I think LAFC, New York City FC are are the teams based on the, the football they play and based on the difference makers that they have. Like Philadelphia's a good team, Montreal's a good team, and and they they can play well. And they they you know Philadelphia's a well drilled team under Jim Curtin. They have been together for a long time. A lot of that team has, but. I think LAFC, New York City FC, and even to an extent Austin FC, I think they're just a cut above, especially when it comes to the quality at that top end of the roster. All right, last question we'll do is from Sal Paradise. Which players do you anticipate won't be back with the team next season? So we've done a bit of this already. And did I give me... Hey, I I threw, you know, uh, a surprise name into the hat there with Gregory. Do you have a surprise name that you think may not come back? Uh... Maybe Addy doesn't come back. Really? Oh, I think he's. I think he's a safe bet. I could see him going going back to Costa Rica. I think he's a safe bet. I think I, I'll I'll say a name that Steve said, although he didn't he didn't go into it in too much detail. Nick Marsman, right? Oh yeah. He was. That is... he, he came here as a number one from 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 the Netherlands. I know he's probably not happy serving as a number two or the happiest serving as number two he probably wants to be the starter again with drake calendar playing as well as he did for this this season and his youth i don't see a way for nick marsman to be the number one again unless calendar either suffers an injury or has a big dip in form so and listen to that team nick marsman makes a lot of money so you can have a second uh, right. um, a cheaper a, a portero right. suplente for that uh, that amount of money. Right, so. you can you can have a cheaper number two, you know, yeah. and, and and trim some of the the fat, for lack of a better phrase, off of the budget if you yeah. part ways with Nick Marsman. That would be my number one for me. When you ask me a player that I, would would be a surprise, I said Ali, but for me the number one is Marsman because of he's he's a good goalkeeper. He, he earns a lot of money, so for the team and for him, it will be the best to part ways. So you essentially just, like, did, like, the high school thing and just, like, copied off my test to, to take your and answer? No, yeah, because no. you said Ari Lasseter, then I said Nick Marsman. Like, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. Ari Lasseter, no. Me, you said Gregory, and you asked me who would be a big surprise. For me, Marshman leaving is not a big surprise because I expect him to leave. Okay. For right, the amount enough, of money that he's enough. making. But with Addy, for me, it would be a it, it would be a surprise if he leaves because he had a good season. But I can see him going to 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 Costa Rica again 
if if they if Alajuela needs a player for for Champions League next year. So fair enough. Who knows? Fair enough. I, I will I will add this. I, I think Nick Marsman really likes being in South Florida. He just had his second child here in the area. I think he's happy here in terms of off the field, but in terms of on the field, is he okay being number two? I don't know. Maybe. But is Inter Maybe Mi for is, the money he's making. Right. Well, but <laughs> anyone is it, right. would be happy. But is Inter Miami? Is Inter yeah. given that they have sanctions? Given that they have to maximize, you know, the, the the space they have available. Yeah, for the team, especially, it it would make sense for for Nick Marshman to to go to another team. They could trade him. Listen, they in this league we can see a lot of movements. I'm excited to see what Chris Henderson uh, is going to bring from the league this year because he brought. Some names this year, we saw players with experience in the league that, that they came to, to Inter Miami this year. But I expect to see more this his second season here. I expect to see more players, more quality of players who already know the league, who already have experience playing in this league and don't have to spend six months like Corentin Jean <laughs> getting used to, 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 for, to the league and all of that. So I'm really, more than the DPs and, and, and all of that, I, I'm really excited to see that. So hopefully they do a good job uh, of bringing talent from, from the, within the league and making trades and getting the best opportunity that I can get with the sanctions and all, and all the drama that we know they have. Okay, well then that does it for the Q&A session. Andrea, Final thoughts on your behalf, final thoughts on mine, and then we'll wrap up the show after that. Well, my final thoughts are on Gonzalo Higuaín. As you know, he retired his last game, and it was really emotional to see Gonzalo Higuaín retire on the same day that his friend and the one that uh, started his career in in Europe with him uh, winning the Ballon d'Oro in Benzema and then seeing Higuaín retiring in a in a baseball stadium was a pretty bittersweet but i hope and i wish the best to Wayne. i i getting to know him I, I i really like his style and and um his his leadership so hopefully we can see him being involved like he said yesterday he he, he said he wanted to be involved in some aspects of of the game maybe in the future so hopefully we will see him again Andrea, I have the feeling, for some reason, I just get the growing feeling that you're a Madridista. That's just my my sensation. <laughs> Are you a Real Madrid fan, yes or no? Like, I'm, I'm serious. Serious question. Yes, Franco. Okay. My dog's name is Figo. No. Of course I'm a Real Madrid oh, fan. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you could have just had an affinity for Portuguese names or something, for all I know. So, uh, okay. So, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Now you know why Andrea tends to... Be very pro, like no, Madrid. No, you know why, like Gonzalo. <laughs> exactly, pro ex Madrid players, and uh, there we go. See now, now we now. Andre, hey, listen, Andrea doesn't hide her biases, right? Andrea just let's leaves it out there. It's very clear. Ronald Kioto, no, Real Madrid. I, I want to. Well, my final thought. No, I you cannot defend yourself. No, no, no. Clear. <laughs> I didn't only ask for Romel Kioto. I asked for Peruvian guys. I have said yeah, yeah. in the past to Franco that I would bring Paolo Guerrero, even Andrea. though he's 40 years old. Andrea. I would bring Farfang, even though he's 40 years old. Andrea. I would bring them. 
Andra, we are we are friends as much as we are colleagues, but I know exactly what you're doing there. La está barajando. She's essentially just shuffling the deck of cards to hide hers because she's like, well, no, I also said Peruvian players. No, Andrea, you want to say you're a Honduran player, and then you're like, well, you can say a Peruvian player so that that way I don't come at you and be like, come on, Andrea, I know what you're doing. All right, my final thought is a bit of news here at Miami Total Football Radio. Last off season, we obviously we covered a bit of the an immediate off-season remarks from the team. And then we took a hiatus for a few months. And I, you know, I backpacked through Europe for a month and I needed to get away. I needed to, to just have a, a, a good break from the end of the season to the start of what was the 2022 season. We are not taking a break this year. We will continue on with the pod on a weekly basis, starting with what will become a mostly World Cup-focused show we will obviously talk about inter miami and if there's news in inter miami and i hear things from my sources of course i will share that with you and that will be the first point that we talk about but on weeks that are less busy or less newsy for inter miami we will be talking about the world cup and the action that's going on in qatar so stay tuned for that because miami total football radio is not going anywhere this winter so that does it for this week's show. Thank you so much to all of you for listening once again. Thank you so much to Steve and Primo Brenner for jumping on and diving into what was Inter Miami's final game of the 2022 campaign. Thank you so much to Andrea Ajisita Yanis, who she's kind of kept that spice. She's reeled it in a little bit. I haven't felt so much of it as of late, but maybe that'll change once uh, <laughs> once next week comes, once we get all four of us back on and once the World Cup uh, segments start flowing. But again, my name is Franco Pizzo. You have been listening to Miami.